Welcome uh, again. Um, I want to add my word. If you're here in person, if you're online, we're just really glad that you're worshiping with us. You honor us with your presence today. So while you're turning in your Bibles to Ephesians in the New Testament, because that's where we're going, we're taking this journey in Ephesians, sort of trying to remember or reframe in our mind, what is a Christian? What is a believer? Who are we called to be? While you're turning there to Ephesians chapter 5, I'll tell you about uh, a man in a small group that I led several years ago. I remember one night he said, as we were sitting uh, there in that living room, he said, he just blurts out, Ken, I just love this group. Whenever I'm in this group, I just, I just feel it, man. I just feel it. I just, I feel the love. I feel the safety. I feel kindness in my heart. I even feel forgiveness. He said, but, but I know what's going to happen. When I go out of here and I get in my car and I start to drive away, I'll get a text or I'll get a call, some bad news. Somebody will cut me off on the road. And just like that, what was going on in here goes out the window and I'm back to normal. He says, I just got to figure out a way, Ken, how I can take you with me everywhere I go. Now, we all chuckled at that. And I said, well, no, you don't need to figure out how to take me. What you got to figure out how to do is to take the Holy Spirit with you everywhere you go. And better than just taking him, you've got to learn how to live full of him, infused with his life, with the power that he wants to bring. That's what we've got to get inside of you so that you can live the spirit-filled life all the time, not just when we're in here together. And that's what the Apostle Paul is going to be talking about in this text. It's as if he pulls off to the side of the road in the midst of giving a lot of, of sort of commands, about 40 of them he gives in those back three chapters of Ephesians. But it's as if he just realizes, you know what, you can't do this, not on your own strength, not on your own flesh. You've got to have the Holy Spirit working inside of you. So he gives us this little caveat, and that's what I want us to look at right here. Verse 18 in chapter 5. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with the Lord to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, what I want to do in this time uh, today is I want to break down the two questions that Paul is dealing with in this passage right here. So we're just going to use uh, his words as our outline, okay? The first one is this. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He's telling us what it means to be filled. Being filled means you're being permeated or you're being saturated. To help us get the concept, he goes to a concept that people back then, as people right now, know. He says, all right, so I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, an analogy. He says, you know, sometimes people get filled with spirits. Spirits, get it? That's where we're going, Paul's saying. He's like, and, and, uh, and, and so we know what that's like, but that's not what I'm talking about. No, I'm not talking about getting filled up with other spirits. I'm talking about getting filled up with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And there's a big difference. When you're saturated or permeated with spirits, um, your senses are actually sort of deadened. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're brought more to life. When you're filled with these kind of spirits... Uh, they actually sort of depress, but the Holy Spirit energizes. 
When you're filled with these kind of spirits, it makes you actually a little bit less in control. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're more in control. You have self-control at that. And so that's why he says, I don't want you to get drunk with wine because that's debauchery. Instead, what I want you to learn how to do is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Um, so let's put this aside for a minute and let's go with this. This is a sponge, okay? Dry. That's represents our lives. That's what our lives are like all the time. Uh, just in the natural, in the flesh, we're all just like dry sponges left to our own devices. And that's why we humans are always trying to figure out how can I moisten myself up? How could I soften myself up a little bit? And that's why he says, well, a lot of people reach for these kind of spirits, but that's, that's not what I'm going to suggest. To the contrary, what I want you to learn how to do is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The problem is that if this represents the Holy Spirit, many of us are living lives that are moving so fast, it's as if we're saying, catch me if you can, Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, you know, and it's, but the reality is God says, nah, I'm good. I'll just wait till you realize you're empty, you're dry, you've run out of gas, and then you'll be ready to look upward, and then you'll be ready for me to saturate and to fill you with my spirit. This is the picture of what I want you to be filled with. That's what the Apostle Paul is painting a picture of for us. He's saying this is what we're called to be as followers of Jesus, filled not with the spirits of wine, but filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If we do that, then we're able to live with the power and the anointing that he came to bring. Now, let's get one thing very clear. Sometimes people say, okay, well, now, when does the Spirit come into you? It's not hard. When you trust in Christ, that's when the Holy Spirit comes in you. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you believed in him, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Romans 8.9 says something similar. So when a person becomes a follower of Christ, his Holy Spirit comes into you. You've got his Holy Spirit if you've trusted in Christ. The question that I want us to look at today is, does the Holy Spirit have you? You got the Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? And the language that he uses in the original is he's saying, he, he's using an imperative mute. He says, you have got to learn how to be filled with the Spirit. This is not just like a little add-on, a little, well, maybe one day I'll get around it. No, it's like, dude, you've got to get this right if you're going to live the victorious Christian life. And he uses the present continual sense. He's saying, you got to ongoingly be filled with the Holy Spirit got ongoingly because the problem is the next day though we were filled yesterday we're dry again we're dry again and so he says that's why we're gonna have to go daily for the ongoing filling of his holy spirit continually and ongoingly now this begs the question the second question that he's going to deal with in the text how can i know 
if I am filled with the Holy Spirit. There's some confusion about that in Christian circles. But there doesn't need to be confusion. He says very clearly, there's four things. You can know four things, and you can check yourself against it. And that's going to enable you to know whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at those four. The first one is this. Look at what he says in verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What he's saying here is you can know if someone's filled by the Holy Spirit as you listen to how they are addressing one another. How are they speaking to one another? At home, at school, in the family, at work, in the community, in their social media postings. With all the ranting that's going on these days, I don't see a whole lot of people that, I don't know, that are addressing one another in lyrically, scripturally rich language like he calls us to. And as a result, Christians are even turning against other Christians these days. Some Christians are afraid to be with these Christians, and that's really weird because if we have Christ, we're one body, right? Aren't we supposed to be? The devil is just loving it. If he can get the Christians even pulled apart, turning against ourselves, why is this happening? It's because so many believers, so many self-professing Christians are addressing each other in dreadful ways, And right here, he's saying, if someone's filled with the Holy Spirit, you can tell by how they're speaking, how they're addressing one another. Do you sense love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, forgiveness? Do do, 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 Do you pick up on those things coming out? Unfortunately, in many Christians right now, it's, nope, don't pick up a hint of that. It's not coming from the Holy Spirit. That we have to make clear of. I have a pastor friend in Austin who talks about an interesting thing that he started doing in 2020. A lot of people just writing a lot of things in 2020, and a lot of pastors have gotten a lot of interesting notes, and he got his share, and he said, you know, I started doing something somewhere along the way. Whenever I get one of those kind of volatile emails telling me everything the church is doing wrong, he says, I just pick up the the, the phone, and I just call him, and I just say, hey, Joe, I got your email. Just wanted to talk with you about it. And the author typically says, oh, oh, okay. I didn't expect you're going to call me. No, I know. He says, I, I just wanted to talk about it. And, but before we talk about it, I just, I, I want you to read it to me. He said, well, I thought you said you already read it. Oh, I already read it. But I just want to hear you. I just want to hear you read it. Because sometimes tone doesn't come through the heart, you know, unless I can hear it with my own voice. It's just words on a piece of paper. So I want you to read it to me. Would you do that? And then we'll talk about it. He says he's not gotten a person halfway through a note as they're listening to themselves audibly, uh, speaking aloud the words that they just hammered out ferociously. Halfway through, they pause. They say, you know, pastor, I think maybe I just got a little bit carried away here. Brother, sister, I think a lot of us have. How are you addressing other people? It says everything about whether you're operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And this matters. This matters. 
because the world is not going to be drawn to a bunch of Christians who look like this. Now, you show the world Christians that are talking like this, they would say, well, I might be interested in that because it does seem like you're very full and my life feels very dry. That's why this matters. There's people who are looking at us, reading what we're writing and listening to what we're saying. Their souls are parched, their souls are dry. But if you're speaking from a parched, dry soul, it's not going to draw anybody to our Savior. Then Paul goes on with the second thing. He says, okay, so you've got to look at how you're addressing one another. And then the second thing he says in verse 19, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What does that have to do? That has to do with worship. That's the second thing he's saying. What are you worshiping? You know, how are you addressing other people, what are you worshiping? You want to know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's look at what flag goes in the ground first every day in your life and what flag is left standing last before you go to bed at night. That's going to show everything about what you worship. Worship is a lot more than just coming in this room and going online here for an hour on Sundays. Worship is what we're focused on the better part of 168 hours a week. Louis Giglio wrote a book on worship some years ago, and he writes this. He says, everybody has an altar, and every altar has a throne. So how do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. Just follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, your loyalty. And at the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. On that throne is what you really worship. Now, here's the challenge. Most of us are not willing to follow that uh, chain and to trace it and to willingly admit I worship my stuff. I worship my Nintendo Switch. I worship my job. I worship this politician or this political movement. I worship this pleasure or this woman or that man or my body. I worship myself. Nobody is willing to say those sorts of things. But just follow the trail. It never lies. We can say we value this or that more than all the other things, but the volume of our actions speaks louder than our words. In the end, what we worship is more about what we do than what we say. So what about you? You say, well, I'm good on this one. I worship the Lord. Well, let's follow the trail of time. Let's just look for a minute. How many minutes this past week, I just want to ask you, how many minutes this past week did you carve out to spend reading the words of God, just pondering God's word in scripture? Or, how many minutes did you spend talking with him in prayer? How many minutes did you spend just opening up your prayer journal and just writing some impressions that you felt like the Lord gave you that day? Or, or even how many minutes did you spend this past week going to your grow group and talking about God's word with some brothers and sisters, some friends that you have in, in your grow group? How many minutes did you spend? It? Now, add all of that up, put a little tally, and then on the other side of the column, add up, okay, how many minutes did you spend this, this week on YouTube? How many minutes on social media? How many watching political cable news or reading political you know, news sites? How many minutes looking at porn? 
How many of us did you spend on those sorts of things? Shopping online, you gotta add that one in. Now you tally up that, and, and, and so here's the exercise. Um, if you spent more time on the second category than the first category, I want you to stand, right? No, not really. Okay, so, because I think I know what's going to happen. That's the problem, all right? Paul says, you wanna know if somebody's filled with his Holy Spirit? Just look at what they're worshiping. Look at what flag is staked in the ground first thing when they're up in the morning and standing tall when they go to bed at night. That's what a person is worshiping. And I'm afraid there's a lot of believers nowadays who are saying, if they were honest, they'd have to say, yeah, my Jesus flag is second or third or eighth. And subsequently, you're operating with a really dry soul. It's not rocket science. Jesus says, I've come to bring you rivers of living water, but you have to come to me. You have to be filled with my spirit. Ongoingly, this is a spirit-filled life to which he calls us. There's a third evidence. He's talking about how we're addressing one another. He's talking about what are you worshiping? And then the third thing he's going to talk about has everything to do with your attitude of gratitude. Look at verse 20. He goes on to say, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you've ever looked through, you know, the Old Testament, and many of you sort of started the Bible in a year kind of deal, and you're up around where they're, you know, going through the wilderness, and they're out of um, Egypt now, and they're on their way to the promised land, and this sort of thing, typically in most Bible plans right about now, this time of year. You look back at the chosen people, the Israelites, and, and what you'll see is a lot of miracles, a lot of really amazing miracles that happened, right? You look back, and you see, look at the Passover, and how God took them out. Look at the Red Sea, and how the water Waters parted and they went across and look how God just supernaturally provides manna from heaven and quail that they could eat every single day. It just sort of comes to them. And yet, despite all of these blessings, what were those Israelites always doing? They were always grumbling. They're always complaining. They're always saying, we really want to just go back to Egypt. It was really kind of better. They're murmuring. And John R. W. Stott, a great theologian, he wrote, failure to give thanks where thanks is due is proof positive that you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Boom. So early on in the pandemic, I guess it was long around about April, when it was starting to dawn on most of us, this thing's gonna last a little bit longer in a few weeks, you know? And when we're getting a little stir crazy at that point, and we're some of us who'd started out to have rock solid six pack abs are realizing my abs are looking a little bit more like a keg. And, and this is a problem. One night, our family, we sat down for dinner. And I said, William, why don't you say a blessing for us tonight? And he prayed, dear God, thank you for this dinner that mom's made. And thank you for the good day that we could have on school, online. And thank you that we're getting to have so much family time together um, as a family. Amen. Well, he looked on at his food and started eating. Suzanne and I looked at each other and realized, okay, there's a couple of us who are not as filled with gratitude right now as this one is. And that's a problem, because Paul says one of the 
biggest evidences of the Holy Spirit's being operative in you is the ability to give thanks in all circumstances. There's always something for which you can give thanks, even if the circumstances are terrible. And so I, after that, began to discipline myself in my devotional time in the morning. I just started out saying, okay, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, sometimes when I'm especially down, discouraged, frustrated, it's just like irritated, I'm going to mechanically, I'm just going to start out by just listing some things for which I can be thankful. Things that maybe were an answer to prayer, um, you know, or blessings, surprises, uh, because our souls can gravitate to the negative so easily, right? It's not hard for us to come up with the negative. The harder part is to come up with the things that we can say, God, thank you. Thank you for this thing that you did in our family. Thank you for this thing that you did at work, for spiritual things, for answers to prayer, uh, for non-spiritual things, but you're still blessings. James reminds us every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so we need to thank him. Because when we don't, what happens? Our souls start to dry out again. You're operating in the flesh. No different than the rest of the world. He says, I've come for more. I've come to give you life. And life more abundant. Be filled with my Holy Spirit. And then Paul's going to go on and he's going to give us one more thing. He's talked about uh, how we're addressing one another. He's talking about worshiping who? What are you worshiping, really? He's going to say everything about what you're, if you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then how's your thankfulness? How's your attitude of gratitude? And then the last one is this. He says in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what's the fourth one that he's saying? Is your soul a submissive soul? Is your soul a submissive soul? Our culture, in my estimation, is suffering a dearth of submissiveness. Spouses are inclined these days to say, I don't submit to anybody. Children telling parents, I don't submit, not to you. Employees telling employers or saying behind their back, who's he think he is telling me to do that? I'm not going to do that. I'm telling you, that doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. That's, those words do not come from the Holy Spirit. Those words are words that come from dry, parched souls. We believers, we, we are called to Christ, to follow him, saved by Christ. We're called to be filled up. And here's the interesting thing about it. When you have really plunged yourself into Christ, you've really become a follower of his. You've already taken the biggest step. You've submitted yourself to the great God of the whole universe. You're now bowing to his son, Jesus. You want to know why so many people are not submissive these days? It's because they don't have this part straight. And if we haven't submitted ourselves to him, have him help us. If then we're called to submit to somebody else who's putting authority over us. 
And Paul's going to go on in chapters 5 and the rest of, of, of 6, and he's going to talk a lot more about submitting. He's going to talk about submission in the marriage relationship, submission in the, in the family relationship, in the workplace. Um, you know, he, he's going to talk about this submission, so we'll hit that maybe after Easter. But for today, I just thought it'd be appropriate to ask you, how's the submissive spirit inside you? I'm seeing a lot of Christians these days who pretty recalcitrant, pretty dry, pretty not contagious. It's like they've forgotten who they are. It's like they've forgotten whose they are. And I just felt like the Lord said today we need to come back and we need to remember this is what I've come to do in you. This is what I've come to make you. So let's turn to him. Let's trust in him. Let's renew our commitment. Many of you, you said, oh, I've trusted in the gospel. Some of you say, I've never even trusted in Christ. And you should know. He came to this earth to live the life of sinless perfection that you couldn't live and to die the death of punishment that you deserved and I deserved and all of us deserved and to conquer the grave so that we could have the assurance of life and then to be filled with his spirit to empower us for daily living. It's that last one that I'm afraid is getting a lot of us hung up. So I think as we quit today, as we come to a close today, why don't we spend a little time just surrendering ourselves to him? Even now, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit Thank you that you, while calling us to follow after you, while saving us by your grace, you didn't say, and you've got to do it all on your own. Every other world religion that ever came along, that is what they said. Here's what you've got to do, and good luck with that. But you said, oh, no, I want to come along inside of you. I want to be fuel for you. I want to fill you up so that you'll have supernatural power for doing the things that I've called you to do, for being who I called you to be. Lord, so many of us uh, believers have been drawing our cues from the wrong sources, looking at uh, too many other examples and say, well, I think I'll just be like that. That's not whatever is going to change the world. It's not what, change, it's not what sustained uh, Christianity for 2,000 years. Rather, it was people who subordinated their will, their ego, their pride to you. And practically, the outworking of that was that they're able then to do whatever's asked of them. Because the biggest battles are he won. And when your spirit is within us, we have all that we need. Now, friends, I'm going to invite you to do something I, I sometimes do in, in my uh, prayer time. You can do this online if you're watching or in the room. Sometimes when I'm having confession, I'll just turn my palms over, sort of like I'm dropping something. And, and, I'll, and I'll just say, Lord, I just need to confess. I've been recalcitrant. I've been hard. I've been dry. I've been irritable. I've been uh, choppy with words and things that I've said to even some people. And I need to confess that. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Maybe you just do that right now in the quietness of this moment.
And then I invite you to turn your hands over this way. You can do this at home if you're watching online or, or here. Just, and this is kind of the next posture in prayer. I'll just say, now, Lord, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. It's so easy for me to think I'll take care of this myself. I'll take care of it in the flesh. But I know how that always ends up because I've tried it too many times. Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want my spirit to be soft and energized with that, just that supernatural power that you know that you know that you know that you've got when you're operative and when you're working in our lives. Words come to us, that the, the right words, where truth can be spoken full of grace. Um, other surprises that you bring, Lord, wouldn't you fill all of us now with your Holy Spirit and keep on reminding us to come back because today's filling won't, won't sustain us through tomorrow and certainly not through Wednesday and certainly not through Friday and Saturday. Help us, Lord, daily to come back for more, sometimes hourly in these um, stressful days, hourly or at lunchtime, somewhere just to pull off and to refill again. Won't you give us that grace? We pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.